Hello, and welcome to the Unknown Unknown podcast. This is our first official episode. My name is Tiffany Hopkins, also known as Tiff Online, and I am very excited to introduce you to our guest today, Marza Millar. Marza is or was my very first teacher in the spiritual realms, and it's fitting that she's also my first episode for the podcast. I think we'll just kick it off right away with a couple questions, if that's okay with you, Marza. Sure. Maybe we should tell a little bit about who you are um, and where you are in the world and what you do. Okay, well, my name is Marza Millar. I grew up in Southern California. I was adopted at birth. My parents were um, unusual people as far as my dad was born in the Yuma Territory in 1910, and he was raised in Sedona, Arizona. My grandmother was the laundry woman for Sedona Sebley. And my dad was initiated with the Wind Creek people who were left behind to take care of a um, neological site called the door. And it's part of the legend of the migration patterns of the Anastasi as far as um, people went during the flood or during the Younger Dryas. They went about 11,000 years ago, we have the story of Noah being the most known story, but the one beneath that is actually the people um, went below with the ant people. So it's an interdimensional door that's been noted as an energy spot, Neolithic um, drawings on it since about seven to 8,000 years ago, and as far back as 10,000, as far as people can look at it but it's been in a long line of secession with our family so it's it's a door that I was taught to take care of and my mother um had her Celtic side of her from Isle of Skye and the Druidic teachings so I grew up in that I also grew up in the Baptist and Brethren churches to understand church revelation in the Bible revelation and to look at prophecies. And um, so I carry several lineages. I studied in Hawaii for 20 years and was Hanai to the Pule family at Hikiaheao in the Big Island of Hawaii and rolled into Rolling Waters, who was Hopi from First Mesa and studied and worked in Vision Quest under that lineage and then several elders have stepped up in my life to be my teachers. Um, grandfather Nelson Turtle is one of them. And so I've been living ever since I was born. I'm 64 now. And I was taught in all different levels of medicine and magic. And it's just something I've walked all my life. And as the last third of my life, um, I'm dedicated to helping people be aware of the times that we're in. This is the time that are written on the walls all over the world 
of we're in this great change. So um, anyway, I do what I do and I run an energy school and classes in Nevada City, California. And I have um, a medicine wheel and I'm a co-founder of a group called Sun Clan. And um, we do vision quests, sweat lodges, but our alternative way of looking to walk in the world. And that's really my vision is to help people understand how to work with the earth. And, and that's how we met. So in 2013, um, I met Marza and my two sisters and my father and I all studied for nine months the earth wisdom and the preparations for a vision quest, which we did, and then did a, a year of integration of that medicine. And, you know, when you, you just heard a little bit of, of what this woman carries with her. And when you meet her and talk with her, it's just, it's just amazing. There's so much from such a deep history from all over the world that you are in touch with Marza. And that's why, um, you know, if we can get even the tiniest little bit through a few minutes of us talking um, to share with, with people, I think um, it will really go a long way how to walk in this world with all the changes that are going on, um, which kind of brings me to, I want to start early on where, you know, if you were raised in an environment where people are aware of the unseen world, if you will, um, how... How did it happen for you that you started noticing things weren't what they seemed or there was more going on than just, you know, the things that meet the eye? The first cognitive memory of even doing that was sitting in a piano bench upside down, making my sister roll it across the floor. And I had visions of being in a canoe and I was paddling (laughs) and I was maybe somewhere between three and four years old. And I knew specifically that I was in the Pacific. I was in a canoe. It was an outrigger and I knew how to move it. Um, My parents had us doing yoga. This is like 1958. 1959, I remember understanding circular breathing. And um, so I remember that as being like, oh gosh, nobody else does that. This is weird, you know? And I think that I've cognitively always knew the other world was there because I was very much interactive in it and seeing it and interacting with it. And it, was, it wasn't until I was older that I realized that I was seeing things beyond things. And I was walking in the world with, with different aspect of actually looking at realities. So it was later in my life that I was able to look back at my childhood memories. But also going out on the land with my dad and doing medicine at a really early age in 1951 and I was born in 1955 so we were very much grew up in it's a mystery school um Astara was a mystery school 
So I grew up with that, like, as part of my origins. Right. So you said something early on in that 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 reminds me of kind of a topic that I'm I'm trying to make some sense of that I think is is really challenging of this knowing and um, I I think it's something we just have in our our beings we just know things but everybody does it differently and and there are ways of um, understanding that that can be learned and I think you're someone who has abilities and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what it's like when you know something that isn't necessarily you know written on a piece of paper or calculated with math or or these kinds of things like what is knowing for you um well I had to learn to trust it because my logical voice sometimes takes over my knowing and we are filtered in our public schools to um think feel do and not to feel think do and as children are born and educated they're slowly shut down into memorization and regurgitation and to believe what the book says instead of what the gut says and to act in morality to those feelings. And morality is something that's foundational in our being. There is, you know, you you learn growing up right from wrong. And there's a switch inside of you that has to understand that um, your gut reaction is your feeling. And some things are to be acted on and some things aren't. And the belief systems that you grew up with, that's something you battle as well. Um, but I think it comes to um, really flexing that muscle of knowing good discernment, good foundation, and really working with the unseen world is actually working with nature and in nature and understanding the flux of interdimensional relationships that exist in the world we're not living in a flat 3d world everything has energy everything has relationships have to learn to go beyond our own thinking process of what we're taught to realize that we're conditioned from an early age and so to nurture that innocence of opening and to keep that as open as possible you bring up a really good point that a lot of the mystery and these things we're talking about happens all the time. And it's just part of our life every day, just moving through the world. And there's this concept of, of prophecy and divination of actively going through a process to find out more. And I'm wondering a little bit about your, what do you, what you think that is and, and how you do it. Um, Prophecy, divination, what do you call it even? There's so many names um, and so many different ways to go about this. Well, it's had so many different names in the thousands of years of mankind is chi, dharma, um, prana, um, frequency, the force. I mean, it's just got so many names, but... 
it's where you go beyond your daily life that you start recognizing patterns. Our universe is very much set up in rhythmic patterns, you know, physical patterns and energetic patterns. And you really become attuned. For me, it's understanding and attuning to patterns and to rhythms and to cycle rhythms within myself and when things are not hitting the pattern or I recognize that something is in that pattern, then I know that it's something outside of the 3D norm. And that's where like, in, it's like intuition. You, you have that knowing and that knowing in the way the world works is that if you're not getting the message, it's going to give it to you again and again and again and again in a different form. So sometimes, you know, some people get hit in the front of their face with, you know, with a subject and then the next person says it and then the next person says it. They're all telling you the same thing. Or nature itself, the hawk keeps on showing up and it's like, okay, what am I not looking at? Or maybe I I need to see a bigger vision, you know, things like that. Or um, something just you know you have your you walk into your home and something is just out of place like wow why did I put it there or why is that out of place and then you know that you're connecting more into the unification of all energy and understanding that we live in a liquid universe is understanding it's just like time space gravity dust matter light um all of this cosmic dust as we say is all interconnected and inner inner acting with us all the time and it's like a muscle that you have to keep on exercising and keep on having that discernment of always going back to say okay um and in all my training over the years I've learned to walk in like if I walk into a house of someone I don't know I can usually assess the energy immediately. It just is like, like you're tuning into the radio and it's just where it's not tuned in all the way and it has a static to it, you know, things like that. So, I mean, that's just one small sliver of how I work in this liquid universe, but it's attuning yourself to that type of, work and when you're first learning people have tools that they use such as you know what tarot cards people use or they use a pendulum or they use kinesiology or things like that but as you develop your skills and walking in the world pretty soon those all those tools just drop self our home to be the tool and that's the one thing like in my earth wisdom class, it's a three-year apprenticeship class. And we spend one, one year um, on like working with plants, which are incredibly um, sensitive with the flowers to imprint water and put that into our bodies. The second year we work with the minerals and we work with outside influences. And the third year we learn to work as ourselves as the tool. 
and going into different situations or different things and really just feeling an inanimate object that's maybe older, like an, um, I took my class to an antique mall this year and have them just walk around and feel the, the periods of time and artistry and things that have happened to open their intuitive mind and working with that third eye intuitive. Really important also to keep your pineal and your pituitary um, and your thymus attuned um, in our organs. A lot of those are our conscious, our alternative consciousness. And it's very important to keep those tuned. That brings up um, some of the things you're working on these days. What's a prophecy that you have um, been working with lately? Where it came from and what it means, that kind of thing. Well, I've studied prophecy. Um, it really hit me square in the face with how Lindsay, as one of my teachers, way back when, when I was 17, I heard him lecture. And he wrote a biblical book called The Late Great Planet Earth. And that this was like 1972, I believe, where I was in in Long Beach, a lot of racial riots were going on, a lot of civil rights, um, Vietnam War, a lot of stuff going on, um, similar in today's world as we're having things going on. And um, it struck me as like, wow, somebody has written something. So I studied Revelation extremely, but also my, my ancestors, my father's lineage, I was taught very early to read the rock walls, um, petroglyphs, and going to sacred sites and understanding what the ancestors were talking about. And people think, oh, people were just writing on the walls. They weren't. This was a medicine position that was highly, highly um, respected in ancient times that they were the storytellers. They kept the stories. They saw the visions and they were the vision keepers. And um, everything is written. We've got copper scrolls. We've got um, Sumerian cuneiform tablets. We've got, you know, we've got mystery writings all the way back from the dawn of man. They all signal different phases of basically the 11,000 years of of this last cycle. We kind of have, as humankind, we have an amnesia um, from anything past 11,000 years in written history or understanding. We can, we find the megalithic sites, but we don't understand them. But if we go back into the Judaic stories, the um, Hindu stories, um, the Native American stories, the South American stories, the um, the Egyptian stories, they all point to different times and phases of history. And we're in that time of great change. And that's what the 2012 was marking, that it's a doorway. And it's a doorway to the time of the great change. And before that, we had the harmonic convergence. 1987, and they were singing the age of Aquarius 40 years ago with, or 50 years ago, I guess, with 
hair and we've been talking about the age of Aquarius, but we just entered the age of Aquarius. Just, just entered. We've been singing about it for 50 years. Um, I love that because I remember when 2012 happened, yes, the world didn't end. And then I started studying with you and learned that, you know, things don't all end in a day. You know, that Armageddon concept isn't like in an instant. Things ebb and flow. That's how life is. It takes time and things are changing. And, and that, um, you know, new cycle has, has started. It started in 2012. And it's and there's precursors to it, and it's something that's been happening a long time. I think the most outstanding thing for me is to understand that the ancients have a thing called the migration of the sun, which is Hopi, Inca, Maya, Tibetan civilizations involved in that, and they were talking about um, the great central sun which is the center of the Milky Way, which is a black hole that, and we know that black holes um, create planets and destroy planets. And that's a very simplification of the explanation of that. But there's always the, the talk of the great central sun. And within the great central sun, all the galaxies, not the galaxies, but the solar systems within our galaxy takes its instructions of of form and how our universe is put up in um galactic structure cosmic structure we as people of the planet or um connected to earth all have an earth code whereas other planets wherever planets code and that's by vibration and frequency when our sun takes in a transmission, meaning those instructions are given when there's the galactic alignment, which happened in 2012. There's a, there was a transmission from the great central sun to our star, and then we take in that transmission. So that transmission happens every 26,000 years that we come back into that galactic alignment of the great central sun. And we we don't have written history back to 26,000 years ago. But what we do have is that our generation, every, anybody that was alive and on the planet in 2012 took in the 2012 transmission from the great central sun to our sun to now. And our planet took in that information. And so that created a new cycle for us. And it's a 26,000 year cycle. And there seems to be major change every 11 to 12,000 years, um, the way the earth breathes in and breathes out. And now we're in that cycle. We're also in a more dense part of the Milky Way. And so that brings its own vibrational fields and its own um, places in, in the galaxy that create cosmic forces that influence the earth and influences everything. So carbon footprint is part of the change that mankind is responsible for on planet Earth. But the Earth changes are also cycle changes as we start into this new paradigm and it separates people it, and the Earth is in Earth changes. It's doing what Earth does. 
and people are doing what people do during these times of great. So there's something comforting about knowing that that we're just in what we're supposed to be in. This is how the world is, and and there's also something kind of scary about it, and it makes it almost feel like there's nothing we can do to change it. And and I know that's not true because first, changing it isn't what we need to do, and having this information is empowering. And how how can we take this or or other information like this, and even just our own gut intuition that things are changing, um, without even having the you know tens of thousands of years of of prophecy saying this would happen? Um, like, what do we do with that? How do we how do we bring it into our lives to help relieve the anxiety, or or what's it for? Well, I think mankind, we think of ourselves separate from the planet and the cosmos. Our vibrational codes within ourselves that interact with the universe. Again, I talk about liquid, you know, that we have a liquid universe. And in that inner reaction, we have free will. We also have um, ebb flow. Those are like if we push against something, it pushes back and we have that interaction with the universe. And, you know, prayers are probably the most powerful thing. And that is a place of humility and integrity. And those are all things that set our personal boundaries with our discernment and our moral compass. And, Staying true to that, no matter how hard the storm is, the younger ones now um, are different. You know, your generation, Tiffany, is very different than my generation. And the understanding of, you know, that styrofoam cup goes in the trash and then it goes into the landfill and it's there for a million years, you know, instead of this if we got a cup and it's made of glass and we use it all the time, that is a better choice to make. So it's daily choices and being cultivating relationships that are made in community and to um, working with an even exchange of energy and, um, you know, we're all trying to survive here on this beautiful blue ball and we're all in it together. There's no separation from, you know, we, we have some of the biggest chasms right now in our society and that's all part of the prediction of the prophecies. And the thing is um, we have to come together and lift ourselves up above our own stories and our own pain and realize that we're all going around on this planet and we all have responsibilities to each other and to the little ones that come after us and honor the ones that have come before us. Really do your circle. That's all you can do is what is in your circle. And don't try to go outside that as far as you know, creator gives us our circle of life. Um, now I sound like the Lion King, but <laughs> you know, we're all we're all given our own circle of life, and 
It's how we interact with that on a daily basis. And that is what resonates in the world. And we can worry about tomorrow and we can worry about this and that. And for me, I used to try to reach out so far and I realized that what I do on a daily basis is the biggest thing I can do. And so if I could save a cup or not litter as much and re-recycle to try to be sustainable, but I still keep my house. I'm still using fossil fuels. I'm proud of my daughter. She got her Tesla and it's an amazing car and she lives in a solar home. And so I'm watching I'm watching this next generation do something differently and it's, it's enriching because I'm asking like, so what do you want for Christmas? And basically I get, Hey mom, I've got everything I need. And so, um, she needs some help having her house cleaned, um, that she wants that she's a paramedic and works 60 hours a week and has a, so I'm, I'm giving her a service for Christmas. That's my energetic, I'm helping to pass it on, you know, and that's, that's really where it's about, you know, and do your, um, pillow test. You know, if something's bugging you, then go talk to the person that's bugging you. And instead of being dug in your trench, listen to what they're saying. You know, we can't do a lot of large things. We have, the small things are what count. If we try to do two grand of things and take on the world, it really just starts in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I love, I love hearing that. I mean, I feel like I've been hearing you say that for a few years, and it's really sinking in over time. And and. <clears throat> knowing, you know, the, the information that comes with prophecy or with intuition or any of these things isn't meant to be scary or to make you change everything or go into chaos. It's meant to remind you that we are all connected and every little thing you do does matter. And then that's all you need to do. And I, I, I love being reminded of that. I think I could hear it every day and still, still be like, oh yeah. well it's not the bigger better more right it's the small simple things and you know paying things forward give away every day in any ceremonial type of thing is you give away before you receive and with us in this society we we don't give away we give away because it looks good or it feels good or you know we yeah, we expect to receive something. And the thing is that the random acts of kindness, and I know I sound so damn cliche, but the thing is, those are the small things that um, that really, really count. Family is important and we are It's not that we're losing anything. It's that we have to reevaluate what's important to us and how we interact with the changing times and how do we change things. I just had a session this morning with a young woman who was telling me she didn't want to celebrate Thanksgiving 
because of actually what what the real history is versus what we were taught, which is an institution, you know, and it's it's like, well, you know, do we celebrate that as we used to or do we find a different way of doing it? And in the new paradigm and in the new consciousness, maybe it's not changing the holiday, but changing how we celebrate it. You know, and the thought patterns of what goes with it. Um, you know, things like that. We have to adapt and change. And I think that's the biggest thing that the world it was isn't the same when my children are growing up, what they were born into. We're in a time of great change. And that is what the prophecies have told us. And this next prophecy gate that we're in is now. It's in 2020 into the next decade. And it's a time of due diligence. It's a time to reevaluate everything, everything, how you live in the world, how you interact, what are you doing? How are you doing it? It's a time of deep, deep self-examination. And that's what this entering into. And um, according to the Hopi prophecies, if you look at Prophecy Rock, there's two lines and it shows the division of people. And it's those that, and so that's what the next few years are about, is that we will look at ourselves in a different way and will we'll hopefully help those that are still asleep or working in an older paradigm that they're falling behind and then anger comes and you know war is obsolete our lines between ourselves are obsolete and you know i i i'm not the wizard of oz <laughs> people sometimes point it i don't know see behind the curtain um you know, and that's the thing is, I want people to see behind the curtain. There's nothing big, mystical or magical about learning to use and understand the prophecies of not coming into a place of fear, but that, you know, we're part of a larger thing and we're just a small part of a larger thing. And that larger thing is larger than we can even, even fathom. And there are things unknown that are known to some and unknown to the populace. And yet, if we go read those rock walls, if we sit down with our elders and hear their stories, we will see the repetitive patterns into history and we'll know what's ahead because we see those repetitive patterns. And we look at the news but it doesn't mean you have to believe in it. You know what I mean? Be aware of your sources. I love what, what the elders said is know where your water comes from, know where your food come from, you know, know how to take care of yourself and do it in the rightful way and know where you are in your community and how you fit into your community. And, you know, here we've had a lot of those, um, rolling blackouts for days this October, which everybody's like, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. And I, the fact is earth changes are everywhere. So no matter where you go, it's that good old, no matter where you go, there you are. And earth 
yeah, earth changes are happening everywhere. And if you're in a community, you might as well just be in your community and figure out what is yours to do and what isn't yours to do. And moving somewhere else, tearing up your lives to try to get out of something, it's going to happen there eventually anyway. So live where you live, unless you're called definitely to go somewhere else. And that happens. People are called to other places, but don't move out of a place because of something that the earth is doing, because it's going to do it wherever you're going to live anyway, (laughs) you know? And it's something to be fearful about. You know, if you're connected with the higher source and you're connected to yourself and your world in that way, in service, um, life will happen as life happens. You just do it prayerfully and gracefully. Oh, I feel that. Yes. <laughs> That's the truth. Wow. Um, I, just, I feel like we could talk with you for days and still get more and more wisdom. Um, But we're coming up on an hour. So I want to just ask you where people can uh, find out more um, about you or get in touch if, if um, they're interested or learn about your school or anything like that. Um, I have two websites. One is called ancient earth apothecary.com. And then I also have rebelalchemy.co, C-O. And those pretty much tell the story about the medicines I make and about our classes and about our center. And um, we also have Church of the Essence in the process of updating that. Um, I basically inherited that. organization um, last year when the organizer of it, and it's been around for about 40 years. So I am a caretaker of this organization of churchoftheessence.org. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I'm around. If you're meant to find me, you will. And, um, you know, I, um, that's just the way I see it is that those are my best ways of getting a hold of me and um you'll find me just google my name internet knows everything so google marza malari you'll find me all right thank you so much marza i really appreciate your time and sharing all of this with with us well tiffany thank you for your growth phenomenal and to see you walk into your fullness of medicine from where I've met you to where you're walking now and also the fulfillment with your beautiful sisters and, and your family and what your family has meant to me and what you and your sisters mean to me um, is near and dear. And I love you all. And I'm just glad that creator put us all together. Oh, thank you. Me too. Me too. Thank you, Marza.